0: This is Kevin Brooker, and we are cruising through retirement. You know, the stock market continues to show volatility with really no end in sight. On today's show, we've got some tips to help make sure market volatility doesn't disrupt your retirement.
2: Welcome in, everybody. This is Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker. and consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Kevin is a guy who's been helping folks uh, for better than 30 years. He's an investment advisor representative, a fiduciary. He's an independent. Find him at Silverleaf Financial, silverleaffinancial.com. Uh, hey, Kevin, how's things?
0: It is going great. Always good to be here, Steve.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I I like what we're talking about here because the the market, the volatility, I mean, you know, pick a day. It's so weird. Every day, you know, I look at the market and, you know, I look at like MarketWatch, whatever, and one day it's all red. And the next day it's all green. And then some days it's red and green uh, throughout the day.
0: (laughs) It's, oh, yeah, it's like a Christmas tree. Yeah, it is. Yeah, (laughs) And the colors are always changing. Yes, exactly. You, you know, I wanted I wanted to you know talk a little bit about this topic because you, you know we talk about how uh, investors want to be, you know how how in a in a you know ideally the investors should be invested for their age and their risk tolerance and their time frames and, and things like that, which you definitely want to take heed of and make sure you're not taking on more risk than you should, mm-hmm. um, you, you know. And but a lot of investors do have individual stocks, uh, and and I wanted to talk about it a little bit now because. Lately, we've seen a lot of craziness. I shouldn't say lately; it's been going on all year long, I guess. Right. And some of these, you know, some of these individual stocks—they're calling meme stocks. Yeah. T- uh, what
2: does that mean exactly?
0: Y- y- you know, uh, in my opinion, as close as, I, as close as I can figure it out, these are stocks that are coming up on 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 the chat on the ch- in the chat rooms and on the message message boards. Okay. One one of them is Reddit. Sure. Um. And 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 there's all these threads, and you can have conversations, you know, with I guess hundreds or thousands of people around. I guess are on the planet, yeah, uh, and, and they all they all get together and they they um, you know and they've got different names for each other and uh, so they get behind these stocks and my my understanding and and I think the consensus is that they they've tried to find stocks that have big short positions and there's like an attitude out there about um, you know like sticking it to the man or something for. Lack of a better way of saying it, right? It it, se- it seems to be like some like a rebellious attitude, you know. That's that's at the root of it, right? Um, and and kind of like you know we're, we'll show them type of thing, and and so they're finding these stocks that are heavily shorted, uh, that don't have big floats, which means there's not a ton of shares outstanding, and the reason why they're looking for smaller floats is because it doesn't take as much money to move it, and when 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 people start buying shares that are heavily shorted and and the stocks are going higher, then what it does is the usually it's a hedge fund manager that went short. And and just to remind everybody, going short on a stock means that you're betting it's going to go down. And so your initial transaction when you short a stock is to sell it, right? I mean, typically before you get into a stock, you buy it, right? You buy it and then you sell it after hopefully it goes higher for you. Well, when you short, what you're doing is you're actually selling it first, you're technically borrowing the shares, you're paying a little bit of interest on it, most likely. You're selling them first, and you're hoping to buy them back at a lower price. All right, mm-hmm. and so and it happens all the time. And I and I and I would actually argue that it's healthy for a market because I want competitive forces in the market. I don't want everybody all on one side of the boat. Otherwise, I think we're going to have big problems. Uh, so I like I like that they have the ability to short. I don't know that I'm a fan of these concerted efforts that seems to be going on uh, through these message boards and chat rooms and they call them meme stocks. And uh, one of them is GameStop. That was really uh, the,
2: the one that kind of set the whole thing off or the one that got the most notice, at least this
0: year. It it, it did. And and it's, and, and one of the common things about it is that these are companies that, you know, like when I tell you the other one was AMC. Oh, that's, that's it, going on right now. It's going on right now, which is the reason I want to talk about it today. Uh, these are companies that arguably their business model Okay. It was kind of on the way out. All right. GameStop, you know, is, is some people compared it to Blockbuster, right? Right. They, you know, one rents movies, the other one rents games. And, but, but obviously what happened to Blockbuster is we've improved and we can stream, you know, remember Netflix, a lot of people forget Netflix started off by mailing you the disc. Right. Uh, in the, right. In the mail. The old yep. fact, I remember getting the disc out of my mailbox.
2: Yeah. Me too. And, and then I, I always, I resisted initially the streaming part of it.
0: I did. T- I did as well. I did as well, you know, and, and I, and I never, in my mind, I never saw, I didn't have the vision, you know, when that was going on what 15 or 20 years ago yeah. to see what it would, what it would evolve to. It's amazing. It is amazing. And, and, and so when I look at GameStop, I, I had that same sort of feeling that, you know, this is a questionable model to me. And I don't, I think if management doesn't turn it around, this, this might go the way that it might go the way that Blockbuster went. Uh, you know, but these guys got a hold of it. These investors got a hold of it, and the consensus seem the consensus. Wall Street thinks that these are essentially younger folks, maybe people in their twenties. Let's say they probably haven't had a lot of investing experience, um, but they're very they're very tech savvy, and they prefer to you know do things online. They'd rather text to make a phone call, for instance, and and so they're very comfortable in these in these chat rooms and on these media sites, uh, which is where they have the conversations. They get their ideas. And they go out there and and they buy the stock, and it's the the. I'm I'm not saying it's a bad way uh, to buy a stock. It's it's very very different, okay, from anything anybody that's ever studied business or economics or finance on Wall Street, you know. Because typically it's like you know you talk about how much earnings the company has and their price, you know, in relation to their book value or their cash flow and all these things. Uh, Guys, these stocks that they ran up, AMC theaters, and and really what I want to say on this note is be very, very careful and make, you got to look at the, I look would look at them as a black, like a blackjack table. Okay. In other words, 50, 50, you lose all your money or a big portion of it. Right. You know, AMC stock is up 30 times. You could have 30 times 30 X just this year. All right. Just this year. (laughs) And, and I, I, I mean, it traded today, I think between maybe High 30s, I want to say like 38 and low 60s, maybe 63, 64. That was just today, guys. Yeah. Just today. It's it's absolutely crazy. And the volume, the, the volume that has been traded, uh, I think the entire float has has trades basically every day. It's like the entire, all the shares outstanding, I think, traded in the last week. So it's hard <laughs> to make it, you know, so it's enormous volume. It's hard to say that it's just, you know, a small couple of retail guys buying these shares, Right. And so what I think is happening is, is as this has happened, started with GameStop at the beginning of the year, n- what it's done now is all the professional hedge funds and all the guys that sell short, they're going on those websites now and their analysts are following those sites and, and algorithms have been written now that follow what these guys are doing, what these people are doing. And so I think what's going on is when you see something like they started and then they're everybody else kind of like jumps on, they just kind of jump on for the ride. All right. But guys, don't don't get me wrong. This is pure gambling. This is not investing. Yeah. This is pure, pure speculative gambling. And, and if you're able to make money with it, more power to you. Uh, I've I've i always been the, of the opinion that that it doesn't really matter, you know, which strategy somebody uses if they're able to find success using it. You know, I don't I don't care if I if, if I'm buying a stock that's based on price to cash flow versus buying it based on price to book or some new. Who cares what? If you've got a logic that you can replicate and duplicate and do it consistently, that's my point. Something that you can measure, that you can monitor, and you can do it consistently, then to me, that's a winning strategy, regardless of which metric you're using. But you've got some underlying metric, some way to value the company. In the case of AMC, a company named Loop Capital came out today, and they said on a fundamental basis, they think it's worth about $1 a share. Well, that's what and it was. Really,
2: it was two dollars and one cent back on January fourth. I just looked
0: it up. Okay, there you go. And I think it's I I, I forgot where it closed. Uh, just um, over fifty today. Okay, so just over fifty bucks, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and and they think it's worth a dollar. <laughs> okay. Wow. So,
2: What's wrong so with this picture?
0: <laughs> it oh, it's it's amazing, isn't it? It's incredible. And and I'll tell you, I I, I heard somebody say it today on, on one of the news channels. I think it's very true that investing in the stock market is one of the very few areas. I think might be the only area where 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 a novice individual with no experience, no history, no skill or background can actually do far better than a twenty year veteran of the business because a twenty year veteran would never have bought most most likely would never have touched one of those stocks. And so guys that have the people that have bought these stocks, their performance has been has blown away the professional money managers, right? Whereas, you know, like if this was sports or something, you know, if you've got one year of playing tennis, you're not going to beat somebody that's been playing for 20 years, probably. You know, if you've been playing football for one year, chances are you're not going to be able to compete with a guy that's a pro at 25 that's been playing since he was four. You know, if you're an electrician and and you're you know an apprentice, you're probably not going to do as good a job as a guy that's been doing it 20, 25 years. But with investing, if you get really lucky, you could. It's possible. You know, so so in some ways, it's an even playing field, I guess. Uh, my point, the moral of the story is, I would avoid these with, with everything that I could, I wouldn't touch them. Uh, unless, like I said, you just feel like gambling and you say, you know what, I'll put in a tiny bit of money that I can afford to lose. Doesn't matter if I lose it. Then then that's the only money though, in my opinion, that should be going towards any of these stocks.
2: Sure. Well, and I mean, again, I, I think you, you make a good comparison there when you say a novice can be out there and be incredibly successful, but I mean, you know, that's like being lucky in, in
0: Vegas for the first time. It is, and I'm not recommend. I don't recommend this as a strategy. Well, no, and, I don't think so either. You know, and and remember, one of the key, one of the words that I always use when I talk about a strategy is to be consistent. Consistent is always one of the words I choose to use because anybody can get lucky. All right, it's it's you know, I've, there's plenty of cases out there, plenty of situations. You know, there was a story I read a few weeks ago about some guys that. It was like these three guys, they had, they had all gotten behind the meme stocks. I think they were in GameStop and they, they all made some money originally. And then they started putting more and more. They put their life savings into it. They put their entire retirement accounts into it. And then guess what? They lost it. And, and it's, it, it's simply because the, the greed took over and there's no fundamental basis for it. And so this is essentially, a, a, in my opinion, these are situations where the floor can fall out at any point in time and, and chances are really good. That it's going to fall out before you're able to act in other words what if you a lot of times guys these things happen overnight okay so you can set a stop order you can put a limit order in there and those are all well and good but when price action changes overnight when the market's closed those don't do you any good at all and you can't do a damn thing about it wow all right wow. because it could cl- it could close at 50 bucks but before it even opens it might be at I don't know 20 or 10 or five. You know, and, and so the market won't even be trading and it just opens up. That's where the market makers open it up at. And so it, you know, so those are situations where stop orders, limit orders, all those things will not help you. And so it's really important to understand that that uh, there are outside forces moving these things around that has absolutely nothing to do uh, with true fundamental value uh, or the true fundamental value of the company. You know, and, in fact, the company themselves, AMC, which I don't think I've ever seen a company do this before. AMC themselves came out with an, with a warning today. <laughs> that's that they don't recommend you buy their stock and if you do buy it, you better p- be prepared to lose all of your money. Wow. I don't think I've ever seen that from any company on wall I <laughs> can't ama-
2: yeah that's a, that's incredibly that's that
0: doesn't happen Is't that amazing yeah. you know so so that that's the company trying to cover you know cover their backside so to speak um, you, you know but I'll tell you what I got to give AMC credit on the one hand though because they're being smart about it they're using uh the high share price to actually generate money. In fact, the company themselves sold millions of dollars. I forget the number. It's a large amount. They sold a large amount of stock themselves because AMC was not in a good situation. They had a ton of debt. And so this has actually given them the ability to kind of refinance their balance sheet, pay off debt. And it's actually put them in a lot better situation than they were before. So I do give AMC credit for being smart enough to recognize that. GameStop, I don't know why they're not doing it. They should be but but AMC has been smarter about using this stock price you know the surge in the stock price to recapitalize the company and maybe they'll be able to do something to turn it around I, i'm i'm not sure personally i'm I, I don't i don't feel like movie theaters are necessarily a growth business but but maybe that's just me
2: yeah well i mean i was looking at this and and uh, AMC's been around since 1920 that's when they were founded so oh i gosh. mean that's you know you think about that that period of time. And, you know, back in the twenties and thirties, I mean, movies yeah. were the only, you know, the only source of entertainment really.
0: And, and, and most people didn't even have a television in their house, right? Let alone so. a sub, you know, let alone a 75 inch big screen. Right? <laughs> well, yeah, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, so, I mean, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know about you, but most of the people that I know, uh, everybody seems to have big screen televisions right. all over their house now. Exactly. Right? Yes. I mean, in, per, in like every room and, and, and so some home theater systems are, are amazing. They're, they're awesome. And, and I look at it and I say, why, why do I want to go to a theater again? You know, when I've, when I've got this beautiful setup here, yeah, um, right. it, you know, but I, I know for teenagers, it makes total sense. It makes total sense. They, you know, they want to get out of the house, probably get away from their parents and, and feel like they've got a little space from, from adults or something. Right. Um, so I get that, but, but beyond, you know, 21, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me.
2: No. Well, I'll tell you, you talk about screens everywhere and, and, um, so my wife's in the hospital, which is neither here nor there. Everything's great. Don't worry about it. But she—they're on a. She's on a new floor in the hospital. There are five screens in that room. Three oh, of them. Uh... Three of them are
0: regular televisions.
2: <laughs> the other two are are medically related. Okay. Can okay. you believe well,
0: that? Uh, y you, you know what I'm. Uh... I, you know, I, I'm surprised by it, but, but it's very in today's world. I mean, the, the price of a television has come down so much, right? Well,
2: yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, it's, I just, I was amazed.
0: Oh, it's, it, it's, it's incredible. I can't imagine, you know, we take it, we take it so for granted now. we have so many sources of entertainment at our, at our fingertips. It's, you know, it's incredible. I mean, the fact that, the, you know, the computer we have in our hand is as powerful as, you know, what the original supercomputer or something. So, so it's amazing what, what we have available. And, and so I just want to mention, because there's a lot of craziness, a lot of talk and tons of volume is going into AMC. Uh, I personally wouldn't touch it. I don't know very many professional investors that would touch it except to try to scalp a trade. And that just, that just means you know, buying it and selling it within a, you know, a couple minutes or a couple hours. Sure, uh, But that is very, very difficult to do.
2: So what Um, should we be doing now as opposed to, you know, take going into that whole meme stock thing? Is it just, you know, stay the course kind of a
0: thing? You know what? Yes, it is. And I and I don't mean to be boring. I'd rather have it be more exciting, which is why we were were talking about AMC (laughs) and downs, you know, but we want to stick with tried and true things. I mean, guys, we're talking about money. You've saved your entire life, right? Um, This is money that you put. You've worked hard. You've saved your 401k every week, every month or however often you put the money in there. This is lifetime accumulated money. I would hate to see anybody lose that uh, because, of, because of something like an, you know they put in an AMC stock. Uh, you, you know. So I think what you do is you, you stick with a measured approach. You know, try to find an advisor that you're comfortable with, that you feel good about, that you can have a good relationship with. Uh, and, and then you just have good conversations, talk about what you're trying to do. And he or she will help you figure out where to place those dollars. Uh, one of the things that I like to do I kind of like to think of if I had to simplify it, I, I'd say a lot of times we can simplify a portfolio into three buckets. Uh, I'm going to say one of them is going to be for income, and and what we want to do initially when we sit down, we look at everything you have, the you know the the assets, liabilities, uh, income and expenses, all that good stuff, and then we see where the gaps are in your income because once you stop working, we need to replace that income somehow, right? Yes. And so I think the f- most important thing you can do originally uh, when you're starting is make sure we've got income that's going to last you your lifetime. And then, of course, I like to build in hedges, increase. In other words, we put in increases. Uh, we structure it in a way that you can increase your income down the road to offset the rising cost of inflation. OK, so it's not just the income, but we want to have rising income over time as well. Uh, the second thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to look at long term care and nursing expenses. Um, and I also want to mention that we that I do have the book has just been released, uh, and this is something we've been working on for a while. I've been working on for a while, um, and 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 this book is the Millionaire's Guide to Tax Free Money for Long Term Care, and we talk about. Some people have asked me, well, hey Kevin, how come how come you say if you have to have at least two hundred fifty thousand dollars, you know, to to qualify for this book? Uh, and guys, it's not about having to qualify for the book. It's that the strategies that we go over in the book. Typically require at least one hundred thousand dollars investment, on a minimum, for a mm-hmm. single person. So if you know, if you got two hundred fifty, we're going to peel off one hundred thousand for that. That you know, we don't want to. We want to make sure you have everything money that's for other purposes as well, right? Right. We don't want to put ever. We don't want to put everything into that one bucket. And and so that's why we say if you've got at least two hundred fifty thousand, then then this book is something by all means you should take a look at because I, we go over ways. I go over ways strategies in the book that we can reposition your existing assets to cover you for long-term care if you need it. But if you don't need it, it can still be set up to go on to, you know, we can pass it to your kids or your grandkids, or you could use it yourself at a later date or, or, uh, maybe use it for income or something. So there's, you don't, it's not use it or lose it. That's the point I want to make. It's, it's money. That's still yours. You control it. But, Typically, it does require a portfolio of at least 250 to for it to make sense.
2: Well, and you talk about long-term care, and we talk about it, I think, every week, and this is even before the book. We talked about long-term care and how important it is to address that because, yes, we're living longer and, therefore, the need for long-term care. I just think this is a great way to, you know, this book, I think, helps you really understand why it's important to be prepared for that.
0: You know, I think it's something that people underestimate. I think they underestimate both the likelihood that it might happen to them or somebody in their family, and a lot of us underestimate how much it's actually going to cost if you need it. And, and I want to mention, there's a, st- and, I, we, and we go over a lot of numbers. In fact, the book I'm referring to, we call it the Phoenix edition, uh, because the numbers that I cite in the book, where we talk about a lot of numbers, basically the average cost of a nursing home. You know, whether it's a full-blown nursing home, or whether it's part-time nursing, or assisted living, or a home health aide, any number of things. We discuss a lot of a lot of those, virtually all of them, in the book, and we go over the costs. And those are things that I've researched for specifically the Phoenix metro area. And I say that because these costs can vary quite a bit from place to place. Sure. And and I don't know if anybody's familiar with. Let me give you the, one extreme example. Uh, I believe the highest cost for uh, um, a nursing home. In the United States is actually Alaska. And I don't know if anybody heard, but previously the cost for one year of a nursing home in Alaska was over $200,000. Oh my gosh. It actually came down recently to, I think it's about 180 right now. Oh, that's a bargain. (laughs) That's 15,000 a month, guys. 15 grand a month is what it's cost for a full-blown nursing home in Alaska. And now the, one of the first things that I say to folks is that because of the price discrepancy around the country is that if you don't have to stay there, okay, maybe we consider going someplace else for that long-term care. So you know obviously it depends on the family and and what ties that they, a person has to that region. But if you can just move a couple hundred miles, I mean if you if you're confined to a facility anyway, maybe it makes sense to think about moving it to moving to a little different location because maybe there you could get four years where at the other place maybe you only get three. And I'm, I'm just saying to think about it as a possibility, you don't have to stay in the same city. Uh, think about that when you're considering care, uh, because it might not, maybe there are no caregivers, maybe there's nobody in your family that lives nearby. We talked last week about uh, uh, a gentleman that his family was all, they had all moved out of state and there was nobody close by in his family. He didn't have anybody else that could provide, you know, help him uh, be and act as a caregiver. Uh, and what we talked about is how in a lot of these cases, you can use the money for in-home care too. And that's really what I want to stress. Personally, I'm not, you know, me and my wife, we're putting away money for long-term care, but I certainly hope neither one of us has to actually go into the facility. Yeah. If we do, right, if we do, I want to know that we're going to be at one of the nicest places, right? And and so that one of the reasons I'm putting away money for that is because I want to know we get good care at one of the best places we can. And and secondarily is that we can also use it in home. And and so maybe maybe, you know, like for instance, I know a lot of folks that, they just need a nurse or somebody to come in you know for maybe a couple hours a day or something you know Monday through Friday for 2 hours a day. And and all of those things can be taken care of and we can do that on a tax-free basis. You don't have to spend your taxable dollars and just by doing that could save you 25, 30, 40% of the cost versus using after-tax money to pay for these care to pay for that care.
2: Wow. So the millionaire's guide to tax-free money for long-term care, where do we get the book Kevin? How do we find it?
0: Uh, you know what, what you do is just give us a call. Just give us a call. Uh, guys, our, our number, I'm going to give you the same number we have for the show. It's 1-800-975-6717. Again, it's 800-975-6717. You know, and I I, I will be, I tell you what, guys, I will, I will apologize in advance. I, I feel I've, I've been a little bit late here. I don't have it on my website yet, but it will be available on my website, silverleaf.com financial.com very soon as well. And you can go either way, but the 800 number is the best way right now.
2: Sure. All right. Again, silverleaffinancial.com. That's your website. I mean, again, just the way it stands now, your website's pretty, pretty robust, as we like to say.
0: Oh, you know what? And we're constantly, and thank you for that. And we're constantly updating it guys. We've got blogs. I've got a lot of information on IRAs. um, You know, a lot of topics we put up a newsletter, a new, a new newsletter every week. And so we try to keep the content fresh uh, so, by all means, please—you know—feel free to check it out. You know, give take a look and uh, give me your feedback. If you have suggestions, by all means, send it my way.
2: Volatility in the market is a fact. What isn't so clear is what the ups and downs of the market can do to your retirement portfolio. For answers, call Kevin Brooker at 800-975-6717. Kevin is founder and CEO of Silverleaf Financial, and he's been helping people cut through the noise and create a retirement and income plan that can take you all the way through retirement. Call now for your free financial consultation, 800-975-6717, or just text SILVER to 21000. Call Kevin Brooker today, 800-975-6717, or text SILVER to 21000. That's SILVER to 21000. Do it today.
0: Well, you know what? We were talking about what I was giving is a, a simple way that somebody might start off thinking about how to allocate their portfolio. Okay. You know, so let me give you an example. Let's say, let's say a couple has accumulated a million dollars. All enough. right. Yep. They've done well, they've got a million dollars. And what I'm saying, you know, then that we look at their social security and we see they can, re- they've got like 60% of their, you know, pre-retirement income coming in from social security, but neither one of them has a pension, no other guaranteed sources of income. And so what I want to do is I want to take, maybe we take 300, 400,000, roughly a third, Right. Depending on their situation, depending on their age and depending on many, many other factors. This is a oversimplified explanation. But just to give you guys an idea, uh, I think if you look at maybe moving a third of that money for income so we can replace their wages when they're retired, maybe we take a third of the money and we allocate that towards long term care. All right. Again, they're not giving it up. We can put it into vehicles that they still control, that they still have access to, and that if they don't need it for long term care, they can use it themselves or pass it on to their kids or charity or whomever they'd like. And then the other piece, maybe we leave that in the, may, we structure an investment portfolio. So we leave that in stocks and bonds. And, and that's, that's an oversimplified version, I think. But what it does is it gives you an idea to, uh, that shows you how I like to think about the biggest risks to retirees. One is not having enough income and, and just as important as not having, or maybe number two, depending on how you look at it, is not having money for long-term care. All right. Mm-hmm. And, and I think if we cover those bases, because most people, when they're retired, they've got, they're on Medicare, Right. And I always recommend that, that they're, they're also a Medicare supplement plan. And so once you're on Medicare and you've got, if you get a good supplement, which a lot of people have a Medicare supplement that covers pretty much all the expenses that your regular Medicare does not cover. What that means is that for any medical situation, a hospital stay, a doctor's visit, surgery, rehab, physical therapy, that should all be covered through, through those through the insurance plans that you have, where you're gonna probably run into a problem as if you need to stay in a nursing home for more than a few weeks. And that's, that's where it's gonna run up and cost money. And that's why we wanna have the money set aside for long term care. But my, in my opinion, it's about income and it's about long term care. Once you're retired, if you're in that situation where you've got Medicare and a supplement, your biggest risk is gonna be running out of money or needing a health care. Uh, needing excessive health care.
2: So the clients that you have, and I know that you've had many for many years, are they in a position where, you know, you've got them into a long-term care situation? Not that they're in a long-term care, but you know what I mean? Are they, are they ready for
0: it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, a lot of them, a lot of them are, some of them have the, you know, some of them have the hybrid policies, which are like uh, a combination life, long-term care policy. Um, and if you guys have listened, you notice I like the hybrid policies. I'm not a big fan of the pure long-term care insurance, which in right. other words, when I say that, Right, what it means is that if you don't use it for long-term care, you get nothing. Kind of like a term life insurance policy. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't die during the term, it's not going to pay anything, and you're going to have nothing left at the end. Uh, I like the hybrids because, like a life-long-term care policy. Now, let me let me give you the caveat: you have to go through underwriting. So, depending on a person's health, that's going to determine whether they get a policy that makes sense from a financial standpoint. Uh, so, in other words, you've got to be in decent health to qualify for the life insurance long-term care hybrid policy. And what it does is, if you need long term care, you get, they basically give you part of that face amount of the policy, and you can use that for long term care purposes, also on a tax free basis. Um, There's also long term care uh, riders that I put on annuity policies that have income features, and I know that's a mouthful. All right. So, in other words, let's say you're supposed to get $1,000 a month income from your annuity. Uh, If a person, you know, qualifies for long-term care. They need help with, you know, like two out of six of the activities that they measure. Uh, And and we can go into those if anybody's interested, Um, you know, but it's doctor signs off on it, says you need some assistance. Then what they do is they double the payment. And so instead of getting a thousand a month, now you get 2000 a month. And so there are different ways that people like to do it. But one of the things that comes into play is your health. And a lot of folks don't realize that a lot of these policies require underwriting and the positive to underwriting guys is that if you're in good shape, Underwriting is going to prove it and you're going to get a lot better deal. Of All course, right?
2: of course. And, 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 so it's, and so that's when it's a positive. So and and it's also probably a better idea to do it when you're a little bit younger than a lot older. And I, I don't, and I don't that, mean in your yes. 30s, but I mean, even in your 50s,
0: maybe, you know, maybe when you're 55, 60, 62, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to as opposed to 72. Um, you know, I think I, I think that's that's exactly what I'm saying. And that's why I mentioned underwriting a few times, because a lot of people don't think about that. And, and, I, and I get it, you know, you're, you're, you're working, you're still working, your you know, kids are off to college or they're done with college. You're focused just on living your life. You know, it's a lot of people just don't give a lot of thought to it. And, and, and what I believe and what I would encourage you is that if we sit down and talk about it, give it some thought, see if it makes sense, you know, maybe a little sooner than you thought, because it's, it's going to benefit you by getting better underwriting terms uh, than if you waited longer. So, so a long answer to your question, Steve, yes, they, they, they have this coverage. Some have elected to self-insure, uh, you know, because they've got seven-figure portfolios, and they feel they've got the wherewithal to pay for it if they need it. Um, and, and and the only caveat on that, guys, is that you do have to have a significant portfolio because costs are going up dramatically. You could easily spend a hundred thousand dollars for one year in a nursing home. <laughs> so if you're a married if you're a married couple, in other words, that could easily be two hundred thousand a year. So uh, most the I think the average stay in a nursing home is something like two and a half years. So if you spend it, you know. Obviously, two hundred grand a year—you're looking at a half a million dollar bill uh, if it's a if it's a couple. Um, but I will tell you what: some folks spend four or five years in a nursing home, and in most cases, they're female. So uh, the expenses can be significant. And so, what I encourage everybody to do is just we, what we do: we want to come up with a plan. We want to address what you're looking to address, what's important, what do you want to make sure you're protected for, and and we put together the plan. And then what you're going to find is once we've done that you're going to have so much more peace of mind. It's You're going to have this weight lifted off your shoulder that you know we've got a plan in place. And I think that is one of the most helpful things that we can do is to give people the comfort and the peace of mind knowing that if we just execute our plan, execute, you know, follow the strategy, implement the strategy, that you'll get there and you'll be perfectly fine and you can do everything you want to do and, and not have to worry one minute about, about any of these problems.
2: Well, I mean, that's the whole point. I think of meeting with you, Kevin, is is to to get that insight and to you know perhaps put some ideas out there that that most of us don't think about. But that's where you come in because we should be thinking about that.
0: <laughs> that's that, that, that's right. You know what? Sometimes, sometimes I. I uh you know, a lot of the things that I do, especially when, you know, I started in this business in my twenties and, and, you know, so in, in my mid twenties, I'm, I'm thinking about retirement. And then, you know, my wife asked me when I was right, right at the time we got married, late twenties, early thirties, you know, and, and, uh, yeah, you know, I'm talking about long-term care. <laughs> what is going on?
2: <laughs> well, and, see, that's, you're smart.
0: <laughs> well, you know, sometimes, sometimes. Yes. Um, <laughs> You know, and uh, I, I tell you what, it's just you know what there there are tools there are, I think the, the the message that I like to leave with folks is that there are tools out there that we can utilize that'll help us deal with all of these issues. and and sometimes the the uh, you know the costs can seem high, they are high cost. you know, hopefully, hopefully, I'd like to say hopefully none of us will have to deal with that, you know, but but none of us know who it's going to be. And, and so my preference, you know, if you're in a position, you can do it, that we can address all of these things. Let's just check off all the boxes so you don't have to worry about any of these things. You don't have to worry about it if, you know, while, while you're here and you don't have to worry about it if, if you should predecease your spouse, you know, that everybody's covered and everything's taken care of. And, and I think that's one of the biggest things you can work on with your advisor is just to make sure you've got everything covered so you have, you know, have no worries.
2: But it starts with that conversation with you. That's how it all begins. And, and again, even if you've been with an advisor for a long time, it's always good to maybe get a second opinion. You're certainly happy to do that.
0: No question about it. In fact, I've, I've mentioned before that virtually all of my clients have, have had another advisor before they met me. That's just kind of how it works. Uh, pretty much the only ones that haven't are, are the referrals from my clients when they refer their son or their daughter or something. Yeah. Um, but, but guys, yet yeah, you know what? Even if you're not necessarily looking you know, to change advisors... I would say there's nothing wrong with having a conversation. You know, we talk on the phone 10 or 15 minutes, I'm happy to answer any questions, you know, and if you want to take it, you know, take it to a, an in person meeting, we, we certainly do that. And we, we can take a look at what you're doing now, I'll be happy to give you some feedback. And there's no obligation, guys, there's no commitment, there's no obligation. Uh, I'm looking for folks that I can work with uh, for a long time, have a good relationship with for a long time. Uh, most of my clients have been with me for at least a decade, some of them over 20 years. Yeah. And and I'm looking to find a few more just like that. Sure.
2: Well, let me ask you this. I, I mean, probably an odd analogy, but if, you, if you're if you looking at someone's plan, let's say so they've been with an advisor for however long, and they're coming to you for that second opinion, and you see something, you know, just one thing, does that indicate that, you know, like an iceberg, there's probably a lot going
0: on underneath? Well, you know, that's a really good question, actually. and And I'd say, there's a very good possibility. Okay. You know, it it not not nece- you know it's not necessarily a leads to be, but but chances are good that there might be other issues that uh, let me say it this way. There's other areas we could probably improve. Okay. If we see if we see something right away, you know, um, then chances are, are really high that we can find improvements. You know, one of the, one of the stories that I mentioned in the past was one of the clients I sat down with. Uh, this is probably 15 years ago now. Uh, I sat down and when he showed me his statement you know the minute i saw the statement with the summary of holdings i saw that it had all class b shares of mutual funds and and uh these are all your back end load mutual fund shares and so that that is an immediate red flag that i you know did take a second and a half and i can tell you that's probably not the best thing to have right and you know so sometimes they're really obvious other times it takes more digging but uh but that's where it starts hopefully we'll sit down and look at everything and i'll and and, and i'll tell you i think they're doing a really good job for you and I really don't. I don't see a need for you to change anything, and 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 that's fine. And that's exactly what I'll tell you. I'm not. I'm not here to make a change where it's not going to benefit you. Right. My only. My only interest is trying to find something. Trying to find a way that I can can improve your situation, help you get closer to where you want to be, and then that's when we take action. That's when I make a recommendation. Uh, but I'll be the first one to tell you if I don't see any any reason to change anything. I'm happy to tell you that as well.
2: All right, folks, it's 800-975-6717. That's how you can get started. Have that conversation with Kevin. You know, just have that second opinion. I mean, I really think that now's the time.
0: You know what? I mean, by the way, the second opinion doesn't, you know, maybe you do walk out of that meeting feeling that much more confident because now you had a second advisor say, you know what? That first person you're working with, they're actually doing a good job. I wouldn't change a thing. It's going to give you that. It'll give you that much more confidence in what you're doing. And it should erase any doubt, at least, at least for the moment, I guess, at least for a while. Um, but it should give you more comfort, more confidence in what you're doing. So I, I would say, take, you know, go ahead and do it. You know, don't wait for, for your plan to break. Don't wait for there to be a problem to go see an advisor. You know, you, you, ideally, you take your car in for, for a tune-up and a check-up and maintenance on a regular basis. You should do the same thing with your money. Don't wait until there's a big problem before you talk to another advisor. Sure.
2: Well, God on that note, why don't we uh, just encourage folks to, to to kind of reach out and uh,
0: and uh, you know make the connection? By all means, by all means, guys, feel free to give me a call anytime. I'd love to talk. I'm happy to answer any questions you might have. <laughs>